Do take a seat. Wonderful. Okay, well, as we said before, I'm sure you have a lot of thoughts on today's passage because it is a tricky one uh, to work out how we can respond to because it's one we get emotionally really involved with. Um, So on chatting about how it made you feel, I wonder if, like me, when I first read it, I feel frustration uh, and I feel kind of a bit of righteous indignation on Martha's part because I think, well, she was left to do all of the work and she was trying to host Jesus really well. Um, You might think, oh yes, this is a good passage for me. I'm too busy. This is my chance to say farewell to rotors (laughs) and just spend time with Jesus. (laughs) Um, So you might think, "This this is good. This is showing me I need to put some things down. You might feel, actually, you do relate to Mary. You find that, actually, you are being able to prioritize time with Jesus at the moment. Or you might feel like you want to be like Mary and have time to sit at Jesus' feet, but you feel quite overwhelmed at the moment and like your time is being dictated by things which are out of your control, things that you have to do and you have no choice but to do them. And so it almost seems like an unfair request. So I thought in order to take those feelings we have into this passage, uh, that would be helpful and it's going to help us know how we individually need to respond to it. So I thought let's look at it, seems as it is only five verses, uh, verse by verse. So let's have the first verse on the screen to remind us. So it says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. And she had a sister called Mary. So, underlined, you can see the people we are introduced to in this passage. And we meet this pair of siblings. We have two sisters. Now, it's quite a common assumption that Martha is probably the older of the two sisters, partly because she was the one who opened her home to Jesus. She seems to take on that role. So, I'm going to assume that she is the older sibling. Now, some of you may or may not know, um, I am an older sibling in our house. I am the eldest of five children, (laughs) so I have four younger siblings to boss around. Now, um, it means perhaps I feel I can relate to this passage really well, but I wonder, are there any other older siblings in the room? Let's see you. Quite a lot. Now, you don't realize by putting up your hand, some of you just volunteered to do something. So if you are an older sibling and you want to, you have to be fairly able-bodied. Um, if you would like to come and do a challenge, I've got one at the front. I need a few people, as many as really want to come up. Go on then, come up. Some adults as well, please. Thank you, Liz. Thank you, Tish. Brilliant, Chris. Yeah, come up. Sorry, younger siblings. It is just, this is the moment for the eldest children <laughs> to come up to the front. Okay, now I think by being an older sibling, we have a a special skill sometimes. (laughs) It means sometimes we've had to learn to be better at multitasking. So this is a multitasking challenge. So everyone here, whichever hand you write with, I write with my right hand, um, I want you with that hand to draw a figure of eight. Off we go. Very good. You're very good at that. See? Older siblings are awesome. So the same... Stop doing that for a moment. That's it. Stop. Okay, you're too good. You need to stop. So um, the same leg as the hand you just use, I would like you to make a circle in the air like this. Oh, pretty good. It's all right. Hold on to things if you need to. Well done. 
pretty good. Not quite as strong as the arm, but still, I, I say that's pretty good. Okay, now, you know what's coming, don't you? I would like you to try and do both things at the same time. So you've got to do a figure of eight whilst trying to do a, oh my God, trying to do a circle with your leg. I should have practiced. I didn't practice this action. <laughs> it's quite... The figure of eight quality has gone down, definitely. Okay, let's give our older siblings a clap. <laughs> Very good. Off you go. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that was a multitasking challenge. I think it proves that doing multiple things at once can be quite difficult. Now, I actually quite enjoy being an older sister because growing up, there were definitely privileges to being the eldest. So I got the clothes whilst they were new, uh, not the hand-me-downs. Um, I also set a benchmark for kind of how well we do on things. So I wasn't that one compared to my older sibling, which I did appreciate. Um, obviously, I could tell my siblings what to do a certain amount of the time because I was the eldest. And my favorite, I always sat in the front of the car, which really feels important when you're a child <laughs> to be the one to always sit in the front. However, there are definitely some negatives when it comes to juggling things. So, for example, when my mum wasn't home, uh, I would be the one who would have to sort dinner for everyone. And it seemed to me, no matter how much older we would get, I think she'd say, when they're older, they'll be able to do it like you. But the problem is, I was always the oldest child for a long time. It didn't seem to reach a point where that would swap over. Um, I might have to you know, remind them to get ready for things, like their dance classes, uh, stop any arguments between them, but then take the blame for the argument if I was supposed to be watching them uh, when there wasn't someone around, and perhaps help more around the house. So, advantages, disadvantages. And I feel that Martha probably feels the weight of her role a bit as the older sibling when it comes to hosting, as I'm sure lots of us can relate to in different scenarios whatever sibling number we are in our lives. Perhaps when we've had to host something important, we've had a particular responsibility at work, so it could be multiple things. Meanwhile, let's look at the next verse and see what Mary is doing. Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. So, this is the opposite of what Martha is doing. But actually, I want to just look at that verse as a standalone. Let's not look at it in comparison to Martha for a moment. Let's just think about what Mary was doing. Jesus had come around their house, and they had the privilege of spending time with him. And so Mary's response was to sit at his feet and to listen to what he says. Now, there's something in the position she was taking. It's almost like a position of worship to sit at the feet of Jesus, her Lord and teacher. And also, that was a posture often assumed by a disciple. So I think we can safely conclude Mary was a disciple. She was a woman. This would have been a, you know, an extraordinary thing at that time. And so it really showed Jesus was welcoming these ladies to come and worship at his feet. And it says that Mary was listening to what he said. So I think at a quick glance, particularly because we're already hearing about Martha, we could think that Mary is perhaps the lazier of the two siblings doing not very much. But in fact, I don't think Mary is doing nothing because she is listening. And listening is something that we have to do intentionally. 
because it can be hard sometimes. It's very easy to get distracted when someone is talking for a long time. So I hope not many of you are distracted now. But in order to listen to what I have to say, you have to choose to intentionally listen to it because it would be very easy after a while to get distracted and think about something else. So I'd say Mary isn't being lazy. She's intentionally listening to Jesus. And this moment was precious, and she recognized that, and she wanted to cherish that intimate moment with Jesus there in her home. So let's look at the next verse. It says, But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. So, as very well played by Clara earlier, we see here that Martha got frustrated and angry. She was busy doing all of the work of hosting Jesus and his disciples, and she feels she has no help or support from her sister. In Martha's eyes, what she is doing is good and right in that moment, and it's important. So in turn, it probably to her felt like Mary was doing the opposite of those things, and she wants Mary to be put in her place. Now, as we kind of emphasized earlier, the disciples were also in the room. So when Martha came to Jesus saying, tell Mary to come and help me, um, she would have done that in front of the disciples, which I think sometimes we think about Martha being humiliated, but actually that would have been quite humiliating for Mary, her sister trying to call her out in front of Jesus and all of those people. But I don't think Martha's intentions necessarily were bad. She seems like she is quite a practical person, um, particularly when we look at other times in the gospel where she's mentioned. She's a, a pragmatist, she wants to get things done, and she wants to be a really good host. And so on reading this passage initially, I can understand her struggle. I think any of us who felt dumped upon with work and felt like someone else is just floating through, doing not very much, will be able to empathize with that frustration of someone else not pulling their weight. However, in that verse, which we just read, uh, I think there is a key word uh, which makes a bit of a difference, and that is the word distracted. It says, Martha was distracted by the preparations that had to be made. And the result is that for Martha in that moment, what she would be doing was taking Jesus and putting him quite low down that ladder. She was thinking she needs to do all this work for him, but she's also kind of putting time with him to one side. So let's read the next verse, verse 41, where Jesus responds to her. And he says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. So Jesus' response to this, I wonder when you were chatting if any of you felt like you know, he was kind of telling her off. Because I actually, when I read that in itself, I don't think that feels like he's getting annoyed at her. I think it actually sounds quite gentle in how he responds. And if we imagine that said in a really pastoral way, um, I think he notices that she's not just being practical, she's being busy, and her busyness is causing her to be worried and upset about many things, which can't be good. And I don't think that is what Jesus would want for her. He doesn't want her to be worried um, serving him while he's there. So that can't be a good thing. Now, this feels like a bit of a distraction from the talk, talking about not being distracted, but I wanted to show you a good thing <laughs> today. So I have got um, some nice juggling balls here. Here we go. Now, um, some of you may know I'm not very sporty. 
if you know me very well. So I've been working quite hard recently on a new trick, and I wanted to show you because I've been working hard at it. And so uh, I have got a board. I'm not very good at catching things as well, so I'm a really bad person to have on team. When I was at school in netball, I would run away from the ball, so I wouldn't have the responsibility of having it and then having to try not to throw it to the other team. So this was not my forte. So I've been practicing my hand-eye coordination, and uh, I wanted to show you. So who thinks I can throw this in the air and catch it? Yeah, you do. Okay, right. This is good. Come on, Bethany. Okay. I actually feel quite nervous. <laughs> okay, there we are. I can do it. Right. Level up. Who thinks I can do two balls and catch them? Yeah, okay. I, I can do this. I know I can. Hey. I feel nervous. Okay, right. The third one. I did practice this. Who thinks I can do three balls and catch it? You have so much confidence in me. Right, are we ready? Okay, that was, I'm going to do it again, because I have done this before. Let's do it again. I've got another, oh, I've got another one waiting. Ready? Okay, it's fine. This is just embarrassing now. So, I'm going to leave that. That wasn't just random. <laughs> what I want to say is, when we feel like we're carrying too many things, we drop the ball. <laughs> and when we feel like we have so many things uh, going on in our lives, it's easy for us to miss one of them, to let one of them slip, to not feel like we can pull through on everything, and then to feel like we're not good enough. And the fact is, is that Jesus doesn't want her to have to prove to him she's good enough to host this amazing meal. Jesus knows that she is good enough as she is. And so I think that Jesus wants to release Martha from the burden of feeling she has to juggle all of these things. He wants to release her so she feels she can be enough and spend time with him. So let's hear what he goes on to say in the final verse, I think it is. It says, But few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So Jesus says that few things are needed. And sometimes I think we can overcomplicate stuff. Even hospitality we can overcomplicate. But Jesus wants to release her from some of that responsibility of feeling she needs to prove her worth. And only one thing is needed to make that shift for eternity and eternity with Jesus. Because we can't prove or work our way into heaven. There is actually a flip side to this. I don't know if this is how it's meant to be read. Can we keep the verse just for one moment? When it says few things are needed, I actually think you could see it as uh, Jesus is recognizing few things are needed <laughs> if you read it like that. And if we read throughout the Bible, of course, there are so many things through it which Jesus calls us to do. You know, he tells us to go out to um, feed the poor, to heal the sick. He tells us to share his word, to join the race. He is calling us to action a lot through scripture. And so this is where I feel like this is incomplete, my visual, which we did at the start. Because yes, we want to put Jesus as number one. But if we put Jesus first in things and we go, okay, I'm going to get up in the morning, I'm going to spend time with God, and then check, got that off my list. I go on and do all the things the rest of my day, distracted from him. I don't think that's how he calls us to live. And so I think there's another level to this, where I think that he wants us to put him first, but also I think through all the things we do, I think he wants to be involved in all of them. And he wants us to put him center as well as first of all of the things that we do. So I have, you might have been given something when you came in. I've got a ball of wool here. This might be easy or this might be very tricky, but I'm going to weave, weave the wool. 
through all the things from the top. I think Jesus wants to be first, but he also wants to be involved in our housework. And actually, in a season of life you might be in, where you are, you've got, you're looking after children, you're very busy, perhaps for you, your time when you can be most like Mary is when you've got headphones on doing the washing up. That might actually be your time where you're most focused on him. Or perhaps when you're driving to go to work or pick someone up from school, perhaps that time in the car when it's just you, you're able to devote yourself most fully to Jesus in that moment. But I think the problem is when we get to a point, I think all of these are actually can be used as good things. We can share the good news on social media. We can, <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> we can learn things at school. We can learn to teach and to read. And these things will help us be better disciples of Jesus. And we can share the good news with people. I think in all of these things, we can bring Jesus in, and it actually is a really good thing. That's the fifth ball. So, <laughs> thank you. I didn't bring that one forward. I got nervous. So, um, we can bring Jesus into all of these things. I think the problem is, is when we feel we absolutely cannot make Jesus a part of an area of our life. So, perhaps we're like, do you know what? My social media usage, I've tried, but all it does is distract me away from my faith. It means I don't have as much time to read the Bible. It means that I'm, you know, comparing myself to other people. I'm not able to love them well in that, at that point, perhaps we need to think, this might be for me, to, to kick that one off the ladder and go, that isn't, I'm not able to tie that up with my faith. And so I think it's worth thinking through the areas of our life, thinking about how can we, yes, put Jesus first, but how can we include him in all things, doing all things, whatever we do, as if we're working for the Lord. And if we feel like we can't do that, then actually do some real good prayer and asking God, is this something I should be spending my time on? So, um, I've lost where I am. But what I wanted to land with really is we need to find good rhythms in our life that work for us. There's a really good book, if you're a reader, you want to read The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. This is really good. We're in a really hurried busy culture where our time we're doing so many different things and it's a really good book just to reflect on how to take a step back and to be able to spend time with Jesus in it there's a quote from it which I just want to put on the screen now for us to read um, John Mark Comer wrote it and he said there is a healthy kind of busyness where your life is full with things that matter not wasted on empty leisure or trivial pursuits by that definition Jesus himself was busy the problem isn't when you have a lot to do, it's when you have too much to do and the only way to keep the quota up is to hurry. And I'd also add, I'd say at the point where it means your relationship with God is completely compromised, then there's a problem because we're going to be doing those busy things on empty. So it's not about not doing things, it's about doing all things with Jesus, prioritizing him. And so hopefully you have a piece of wool. I bet you were so thrilled with that little piece of thread when you came in. <laughs> but I want to now perhaps weave it around some of your fingers. Um, my sister got me a cross-stitch kit for Christmas I've been doing. And one of the things I noticed is two things. It takes ages. It takes a long time to do. And secondly is that when you go wrong, it's very hard to unpick because it's so tightly woven together, it's impossible to go back. And so we want Jesus to be so tightly woven into all areas of our life that it's very difficult to uh, unravel or to pick him out of it. So wrap it around your fingers and have a look at your hand. And then I want you to ask God um, into all areas of your life. Say, Lord, I want you to be involved in everything that I do. Just have a moment to think about that.
we're going to move into a song now. And you might want to continue reflecting on how you want to make Jesus a priority in your life. Or you might want to sing along with the words. So choose to sit or stand as you feel is best for you to respond. And we're going to worship together now. Jesus at the center. 